Good morning, church. That video right there gets you excited. I apologize if you didn't see yourself in any of the videos. I forgot to tell them to come video some of our things. <laughs> but that's not what we do it for. It's awesome to see how we as God's people are doing his purpose and what he's called us to do. He's called us not to be a bunch of churchgoers, amen? But people to get involved and get in, get in the community and do work for people, to be involved in people's lives. And, and that's our mission is Connection Church. I mean, to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, but also as we grow together, we're in serving our community and showing people in Jenkins County that we love them and care about them. And there was a lot of people in our community that, that felt that love this past week, and I just want to, let's just celebrate that and thank God for that. <laughs> thank you for that. It's awesome to me that we are one church in three locations because it shows me that we're connected to a bigger purpose. It's not just about us in Millen. I'm, I'm celebrating and thanking God for what he's doing in Stakesburg, what he's doing in Vidalia. I mean, and, and it shows that we are the body of Christ. We're not just isolated. We're not an island, and it's exciting to me. Before we go any further, I, I just want to, and nobody really knew I was going to do this, but I want to take a minute and, and uh, tell a few people thank you. Um, we've got two girls, uh, Lindsay Doolittle and Lindsay Bracken. Um, they're both going to kill me for saying this, but both of those girls, uh, young ladies, are going to Georgia Southern. They've been interns, and, and now they're serving on, on staff as part-time. But God has really blessed us for them being a part of our team. And, and if you see those guys, if you see Lindsay Bracken the next steps, just tell her thank you. You appreciate what she's doing. If you see Lindsay Doolittle back there in kids, there's nobody got a bigger heart for your kids than Lindsay Doolittle does. And you go tell her thank you for what you're doing because without, without them, uh, we'd be spinning a wheel sometimes. And when you see Dallas, tell him thank you. Ain't you love him? He needs some reformation sometimes. Some, somebody telling him, hey, I love you. I care about you. He told you last week, don't say it, but he really needs you to tell him you, that you love him. Not that he did a great job, but that you love him, care about him. Dallas is uh, manning the video and the uh, audio today. So, uh, in Mason's um, absence, so he's doing a great job. So if anything messes up, it's Dallas's fault. <laughs> but um, today we're going in week two of uh, our Promises series, and this one, this this today, the promise is God knows. And we all rest in the fact, yeah, I know, I know, God knows. But when you're in the middle of a crisis, when you're in the middle of the of, of just problems, do you rest in the fact that God knows that you are? right where you are? Or do you freak out? Do you try to do your own thing? And the more we try to fight against things, well, you, a lot of times we drift further from God. Anybody in here can relate to that? So today I want us to rest in the fact that I don't have to worry. God knows. God knows. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And as you guys turn, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we come to you, Lord, thanking you. God, I thank you for uh, how I felt your spirit, your spirit this morning, God, and how you've just uh, been in here amongst us. God, I thank you for uh, just ministering to, uh, to our hearts through worship. And as we're reminded how great you are, God, how every breath we take is a gift from you. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for giving it to us, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would just, uh, you just move in a powerful way through this uh, message today, God, that we would realize... Um, a lot of the things that uh, we get so caught up in, 
or uh, not mere problems at all. It's just a loss of focus. God, speak to us today. Change hearts, change lives. And God, let us uh, leave here different than the way we came. Uh, Lord, I love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Um, in verse 25, we're going to start. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and drink or more than clothes. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to our life? To your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And as I read that scripture right there, some of you were ready to get up and leave. Like, I do not need to hear a sermon about somebody telling me that I don't need to worry. Nobody going to give me an amen on that, huh? Y'all going to be quiet. Worry is something I think all of us struggle with. From everybody in this room has been touched by worry, either one degree or another. And it's something that has been an epidemic in our community, in our, in our, just in our culture. I mean, people are consumed by worry. They're just consumed by these things. And when you're consumed by these things, we lose the fact that, hey, God's got this. I mean, I can rest in the promise that no matter where I am in life, God knows where I am and what I'm dealing with. And we serve a loving God. So he wants you to come to him to these things. And I'm going to try as hard as I can to stay to these notes I got, but there ain't no promises, okay? <laughs> One of the things, I read a quote this week by Tim Keller. He says, worrying is believing that God cannot get it right. And bitterness is believing that God didn't get it right. And that hits the nail on the head. A lot of times when we get caught up in life and caught up in things that happen in our life, we start worrying about this stuff. And it's kind of like we're showing God that we don't really trust him. When we put our faith and trust in God, we're saying, God, I love you, I trust you, I'm going to follow you. But we don't, we don't exercise like we trust him. Worry is like having a chair to sit in but won't never sit in it because you don't think that that chair will hold you up or hold the weight. And I'm going to tell you, my God's big enough to hold the weight of your problems. He's big enough to, to, to sustain whatever situation you're going through in life. And let me tell you, he knows what you're going through. And a lot of times we go through these things because he's wanting you to get to a place to where you want to turn those things over to him. We live in a society where we want to do everything our own. We want to fix it 
I'm a self-made man. We want to say those things. In reality, we are what God has made us to be. None of us are anywhere where God doesn't know where you are. And we need to realize that and trust in that. There's all kind of different worries, all kind of different things that people struggle with every day. And I promise I'm not texting. I wanted to show you guys what I got on my phone. There's different tiers. There's, there's people that are anxious about life, anxious about their future, they're anxious about their health. And I can relate because got, I've got a, a message I got on the front screen of my phone. It says, stress comes from trying to do it all on your own. But peace comes from putting God, from putting all in God's hands. And I got that on the front of my phone so that every single day when I go to send a text message or I go do anything, it's a reminder that, Jeremy, God's got this. God's got you. God's got this problem. And I'm reminded every single day. And I have to do things like that because I'm a visual type guy. But we worry about all kind of things. People worry about pleasing other people. I've got a lot of friends that I know that deal with worry and deal with anxiety. And I talked to them this week because I don't really deal with that as much. It's not really a problem for me a lot of times, but you plan a church and see if you won't worry a little bit. I'm beginning to understand what that means. But as I sat down with them, they began to tell me that it was a common thread that they worry about pleasing people, feeling worthless if they feel like they let somebody down. Always, what makes them worry or feel anxious, they're always searching for somebody else's approval. Feeling like nothing ever gets done. They got a task at hand, and if they don't get that thing done, they're, they're a wreck. They're just, they're just a box of nerves. Daily struggle sometimes to get up because of, of what they know faces them. Or they see what's, what they got to face that day, and they don't want to get out of bed. They want to try to sleep their problems away. They want to sleep those fears away. Worry about health issues and fear about those things. The what ifs of control. And a new one I'm adding to my list is that we can't control the children's welfare. And the list can keep going on. But we get consumed with life, and life hits us at 100 miles an hour. And if we're not careful, we're worrying ourselves to death instead of taking the burden off of us and saying, here, God, help me. Here, God, do this. And he wants to do that for you. He wants to take the burden off of your back. But you've got to surrender and let him. See, God's awesome because he's going to sit there and let you do what you want to do. You want to sit there and grind and do your own thing and sit there and waddle in your own self-pity because, you, because you're worrying to death. He's going to let you until you get to the point to where you're so broken, you're just like, all right, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. What? He's just waiting. and He's going to dive right down and help you. But he's waiting on you to surrender those things. I talked to a lady this week. She's a cancer survivor. She had cancer when she was in high school, and, and now she's married and has kids, and, and all these things are going on in her life, and the word cancer causes her to almost go in a panic attack. It's just a sheer fear of what she went through and all those things. Her little boy got a lump on his neck. As soon as she felt that, she began to freak out and panic. Oh, my God, he, she, she just thought, he's got leukemia. He's got, there's something going on with him. She's freaking out about those things. And it's almost consumed her. She, she's a nervous wreck. She can't eat. She can't sleep. She's thinking about those things. And then all of a sudden, 
as one night as she's laying in bed and she can't sleep, she remembers the scripture in God's word. She goes to God's word. She begins to read God's word. She begins to pray for God to remove that. And that very thing that contained her whole week, God got rid of in about 15 minutes. When she turned that to God, but we allow those things to consume us. Another, another lady that I know, she, she's, she's struggling, trying to, try, she's in a position now where she's, she's managing people and she's trying to, to manage all these people and she's trying to meet everybody's expectations and she's trying to please all these other people and as she's trying to please all these other people, she realizes, I'm not even pleasing myself. You got all this stuff going on. Anxiety about this overloaded schedule she has. She's, she's feeling like she isn't good enough. And guys, if we don't, we don't go to God, these things keep, keep going. Worry develops into anxiety. Anxiety, if not dealt with, goes into depression. And people that battle with depression, it gets deep and dark. There's a lot of you in this room that probably battle with that. And you don't want to admit it. But God's here. He wants you to reach out to him. And, and, and he, just, I'm, he just wants you to reach out. And I those that have anxiety problems, I don't want you to feel ashamed about it. I don't want you to feel like, like, like you're broken, like you're, like you're messed up because God made you the way you are. But a lot of times, we have a thorn in our flesh to draw us closer to God. There's things that you struggle with. It may be anxiety. There's something you struggle with. It may be because God's given you that because he knows you have to have that to make you turn your life and focus on him more. Because I know that's what, that's what those things have done in my life. When there's been problems, there have been situations, there have been circumstances in my life. When there's been sickness, when I've been trying to do everything on my own, when that sickness hit, what did I do? Oh, God. I turned and I started focusing on him. So don't feel like you're broken. God may be using this season in your life to focus you on him more. So don't feel condemned. If there was something wrong with your kidneys, you would take a pill for it. If there was something wrong with your heart, you would take a pill for it if you need to. But I want to tell you something. Just taking a pill won't change it. Just taking a pill won't fix it. You're just putting a Band-Aid over what the real problem is. We have to deal with the issue and get to the bottom of it. And that's, why do I worry? Why does this consume me? And I realize this is a very sensitive t issue with some people. But, but why? I'll tell you what. Instead of saying why, who has not had trouble in their life? Raise your hand. Y'all look around. Everybody's hands down. You're not in this by yourself. Everybody has trouble. It's not, it's not if, it's when it comes. It's not if something happens, it's when it happens. So we need to be, <laughs> we're, not, we're not walking in Alice in Wonderland. Everything's going to be perfect and great every single day. There's going to be times when life is going to be hard. But that's when we've got to press into God. We've got to press into the one that made you. Press into the one that, that bringing this, this season in your life. Press into him. That's what we've got to do. I think about David and Goliath. A lot of times, when, when I think about those things, Goliath was a huge problem. He was a big problem. But God didn't use Goliath to defeat him. He used his biggest problem to promote him to the purpose God had for his life. But he had to depend on God. And a lot of times when these big problems, everybody else sees the issue in your life. 
But they saw how David took it head on and he knew he had confidence in God and that problem gave everybody else vision. And they started looking to God because they seen what a little shepherd boy, how big faith he had in his God. I think about David and all his problems. David had David had all these, King David had all these issues, but every time he would turn to God. You read the Psalms and it's just crying out to God because he knew where his strength came from. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come on, y'all know the story. They was in the fiery furnace. Were they upset? Were they a nervous wreck? Oh, I'm going to die. No, they were walking around in there. Why? Because they had confidence in their God. They didn't let that worry. They didn't, their situation didn't, didn't determine how they reacted because they had faith and trust in God. Matthew chapter 9, I was reading it a couple weeks ago and it just kind of hit me. I wrote it in my notes, but there was a religious leader named Jarius. He was, he was against Jesus, but his little girl got sick and he knew what Jesus had done in other people's lives. So instead of, of continuing on and trying to fix it himself, no, he gave, he ran to Jesus. He said, I'm not going to, I know I can't fix this, but I'm going to go to the one that can fix this. So today I want to encourage you through God's word to let you understand that you can't fix this on your own. We're going to worry, but we can't allow the word to define us. Everybody worries about something. Some worry about everything. Some with anxiety disorders, they make things up to worry about. Sometimes, I, I mean, I, I don't worry about things, and Sabrina, she does worry about things. And she'll be saying things sometimes, and I'll be like, what are, you, what are you worried about? You don't understand. You know, I don't understand. I don't understand. And you have to understand that, look, God's got this every step of the way. I was talking to a, a close friend of mine this weekend, and um, he said, you know, in one of his darkest moments of dealing with anxiety was that he was in the fetal position, in the bed, and his wife was right there, didn't, didn't know what was really going on, and he was, he was just freaking out about some things that were going on, and it was, I mean, his heart rate was up, he was having a panic attack, and all he wanted to do was to hear somebody say, hey, it's going to be okay. And he said, hey, tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me it's going to be okay. And she finally said those words, and when she said those words, a release began to happen. And that's what I'm here to tell you today, that it's going to be okay. As long as we press into God, there's no four-step process to this. There's no three steps out of anxiety. No, it's, you, it's either God. You've got to give it all to God. And I understand nobody wants, nobody wants somebody to go up there and say, you just need to read your Bible more. Nobody wants you to come up and say, well, you know what? The reason you're struggling with this is because, because you don't love God enough. Nobody wants you to hear that. Matter of fact, you've probably been told that before and you want to slap somebody. Can I get a witness? I mean, you want to. And some of you are here, and you know, you're like, I know what God's done for me. I know what he's done, but I'm still a wreck sometimes emotionally. And I, I don't know how to deal with this. I've done everything I know how to deal with. So let's go back to verse 25. Verse 25 says this. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than Food and body more than drink. So some of you are like, okay, food or drink or clothing. 
I don't have a problem with that. Pantry's full of food, closet's full of clothes. I don't even care what I wear because look what I wore today. You know, you don't, it don't matter. Who cares? No worries. I don't have to even listen to this. Just hold on. The end of that, end of that line where it says, and the body, I'm sorry, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. See, what that last line talks about here is the priority in which you hold things. See, when our priorities are jacked up, we're going to put more focus on things, on certain things than others. When my priorities is on money, now, the money, let's use money as a good example. Money, money's a good thing, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amen. I'll get amen about some money. <laughs> money's a good thing, but look, because we buy things, but look, when, when, when it's used right, it's good. But when money is all we focus on, it becomes to be our God. It becomes to be our idol. That's what we strive for more than anything. And guess what? When the money's gone, uh-oh, we got problems. Money goes a lot along with stuff. You know, having things is fine, but it's the priority in which you have those things. If your car, if your truck, if your jacked up Chevrolet truck means more to you than God, when the repo man comes and gives it because you lost your job, you're going to be filled with fear and anxiety. But when God is above everything else, when life hits you, you don't worry about certain things. And I can see it in my own life. When, I had, when money was my God, when things hit me, I was worried about not having enough. And I would, my life would be consumed by fear. And, and, and it, would just, it would just go to my relationship with my wife. I would be horrible to live with. It affects everything. When we put too many things above God, when you change your priorities, that means whatever you value is valued more than God. And y'all going to be quiet in here on me this morning, but I'm just saying we do that a lot. That's what causes a lot of our problems because of the priorities in which we make things. Let's go to another one. That one didn't sting as bad. Let's go to the next one. How about, how about relationships? We make relationships too important. Melissa knew where I was going. We make relationships too important. Certain people we mean more to us, and sometimes some people mean more to us than even God does. And it might not really, in our, in our mind, we think that, but that's how we show everybody else. And when that person is gone, or when that person is not there, then we're filled with anxiety of, I'm not good enough, this is never going to work out for me, or what did I do wrong? We're filled with these things because we've put their, our self-worth in their response to us instead of our self-worth in God. And when we focus on God, none of this other stuff matters. It doesn't mean that, yeah, it's not going to hurt when, when, when something happens. It's, it's not going to hurt when a family member dies. That doesn't mean that it, that doesn't, that's not going to hurt. But it just means when those things happen, we're not looking to that person. We're looking to God. And that thing does not consume us anymore. How about children? How about children? Children can be a source of worry. I'm beginning to realize that. He's not even here yet. We're sitting there talking the other day, and Sabrina was like, well, what, what, what about if this happens? What about if that happens? Maybe he's not even here yet. We're worried about getting his room together and worried about this not happening. I was like, baby, it's going to be fine. I promise. I promise. When Chase was born, they put, him in a, they put Chase in a little old uh, Chester drawer. I mean, they didn't have nothing. They put him in a Chester drawer. Everything's going to be fine. 
And he turned out okay, didn't he, Haley? Maybe. She didn't say amen. We got to realize, guys, that children are a gift from God. There's nothing we can do to protect them. We can't helicopter them so much and try to, and try to protect them of everything. If not, it's going to wear you slap out and you're going to be a worry. It's going to be a wreck. And a lot of those kids that mamas and daddies have helicoptered in their whole life, you know what happens? they 27 years old, still at the house and play Nintendo. You can't do that. You've got to allow your family, to, you allow your kids to, to fail. And you, sometimes you got to back up and know they're going to get hurt. But you've got to allow them to get hurt so they'll learn. That's what God does with us. I'm telling you, don't be so caught up in fear and consumed with these things that it robs you from the joy of those kids right now. That's what happens. When we're so consumed with worry, we're worrying about all this junk and we're robbed of joy of just experiencing life right now. We're worried about this stuff and worry about this stuff and then, and then when nothing happens like you were worried about, you get to the other side of it and you're like, why was I even worried? Why, why did that even bother me? Because we wasn't putting that in God. We have to watch our priorities and watch how we categorize them. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than these? So what the Bible's saying here is that, look, God cares for the birds. If he cares for the birds, if, if God provides for the birds that are so much lesser than we are as humans, how much more does he care for you? How much more does he care for you? That, but there's some things you need to understand. A bird is going to build, a bird is always working. A bird ain't lazy. My South Georgia dialect came in. A bird is not lazy, not ain't. But he's, he's not lazy. I get up in the morning at 6 o'clock. Let me tell you something. I hear the birds before I hear a car going down the road. The birds are not lazy. But that's what, they only build enough to survive on. They're not building extravagantly. Those birds don't have a refrigerator. You know what I'm saying? They don't build extravagantly. And a lot of times our extravagance worries us to death. He granted to give us what we need, but he didn't grant to give you that Escalade, all right? He didn't grant to give you, I mean, he didn't, he didn't grant that you were going to give all these things way above that. Now, no doubt, God blesses us. And we are, some of us are extremely blessed by God, and we have certain things, but, you, but, but to have those things, you have to be pressing into God and make sure those things are not an idol in your life. The birds, he's saying, don't worry about those things. I provided for the birds of the air. I will provide for you. He will provide for your daily bread. I know from store after story, when people are slapped, broke, don't have a thing, don't know where their next meal is going to come from, when they press into God, guess what? It shows up. And a lot of us in this room are probably extremely blessed. We've never experienced that. We've never really had to, never really dealt with that. And that's why it's hard for us to trust God because we never had to trust him for our daily bread. We want to trust him for the extravagant things. But he's saying here, I, you can need to trust me for the daily bread. Verse 27 says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? So none of us can add another day to our lives. He's literally saying here, quit torturing yourself. 
What you're worried about is not going to change a thing. It's not going to add a day to your life. Quit torturing yourself. And I, I know this is tough, right? I know you've probably heard this before. But, you know, if you get here enough, maybe you'll listen. But it's cool to me how he says to quit torturing yourself because you, you can't add a day to your life. To me, that's freeing because that means that I'm not in control, that I don't have to worry about it. God's got this. And to some of you people in this audience that is control freaks, you're freaking out right now. You mean I don't have any control? You're, you're, you're trying to figure out how to get control to control you don't have. We don't have control, guys. We didn't control when we were born, and we're not going to control when we die. And we're not going to control anything in between. But we've got to be focusing on God every second of every day in between that span. And not worry because so many of us are not living out the potential that God has for your life because you're worried about tomorrow. You're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow instead of focusing on today and being focused and devoted to today. We don't have that long to live on here, on this earth. That example Dallas had a month ago with that little bit of tape on the end of that rope that stretched from one side of this room to the other, that little bit of tape showed our existence on earth, and that long line was eternity. Puts things in perspective. We need to make every second count here for the glory of God, not for our own agendas. And then we'll go on 30, verse 30. It says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and is thrown into the fire, will he not as much more clothe you? You of little faith. So don't worry saying what we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear, for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when it's all said and done, the bottom line is, the way we fight anxiety is faith in God. That God is ultimately sovereign, ultimately in control of everything in our life. And I'm going to tell you, I struggle with this sometimes. Somebody looks at my life, and, and those of you that have been in close proximity of me the past 10 years think that I am Murphy's Law. Because everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's what has seemed to happen in my life. I mean, 2010, I had a motorcycle accident. I laid on my back for four months in a bed and couldn't, couldn't get out of bed and walk. The doctor said, you know what? You will, have, you will never walk again like you used to. You will always walk with a limp. You will always have a stiff leg. You will never, ever run again. He said, you know that bass boat you like? You won't never be able to get down in there and drive it. Worried to death how I was going to work. How, I'm a surveyor. I walk in the woods every day. How I'm going to work, how I'm going to provide for my family. Laying in a hospital bed, worrying, getting my days and nights mixed up because I'm up all night worrying about what I'm going to do whenever I can walk. Well, let me tell you something. Doctors don't know everything. I started walking. God began to to allow me to start bending my leg. About two months after I started therapy, I ran for the first time. They said I would never do again. Tell me my God ain't big. You know what I'm saying? 
And I realized all that worry was for nothing. And you thought I would learn from that, but I didn't. Went on down a couple years later. Last year, give you a funny story. Last year, I was riding my bicycle, a bicycle. And a deer ran out in front of me and I hit it. which broke my collarbone in two places, and it gave me a concussion. But the scary thing was, I was temporarily blinded for about five minutes. I was laying on the side of that road, and my buddy was trying to pick me up, and when I would get almost off the ground, it lights out, nothing but red. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm first thing I'm thinking, oh, you're blind. Oh, you're blind. <laughs> thinking about Sabrina. How's she going to have cared with a blind husband? How are you blind? My buddy said, what can I do? What can I do? I said, man, just pray that my head's not messed up. Well, you know, he, he should have laughed. But that's when he laid his hands on my head and began to pray. And, and uh, after he got through praying, somebody showed up, picked me up, had my vision back. I'm good to go. But worrying about those things, worrying about what's going to go on, it doesn't change the circumstances. A lot of times it makes them worse because you're so focused on, on where you are right now, you're not looking at where you're going. I had a, one day I was at, I'm just going to give you another example. I, I was at, uh, I was at work, matter of fact, standing there in front of the mirror and I was like, man, where'd that come from? And it was sticking out, my stomach was sticking out. I was like, I'm not going to be that man. I vowed that I would never have a gut. That ain't going to happen. And I like a basketball and I began, and, but then I noticed the right side was sticking out further than the left. And I began to freak out because I had been having issues and my stomach would burn all day long and couldn't figure out what was going on. First thing in my mind, cancer. You've got cancer. You've got cancer. Freaking out about that. Go from doctor to doctor to doctor. Nobody can figure out what it is. So then it's like, all right, so you're just playing games in your mind. Nothing's wrong with you. You're just getting fat. I'm, I'm, these things are going through my mind and, and go from doctor to doctor. And finally one doctor says, Look, there is something wrong with you, but we just don't know what it is yet. I'm going to tell you, if you're a doctor up in the house, don't tell nobody that. <laughs> I mean, that don't, that don't give you any encouragement. I'm thinking, well, I'm, I, there, there's no end to this. I will be like this the rest of my life. And finally, I went to another doctor, and they told me that uh, I was allergic to sugar, and I cannot ever have processed sugar again. But looking at that, the relief that that gave me, because I had, my life was all about worry. I was worrying about how that was going to affect my life, and God took care of it. But it was a five or six-month ordeal going through there, and let me tell you, at the end of that, I was closer to God than it was when I got started because when somebody tells you, I don't know what you got, all you got to do is go to the only one that can tell you what you got. Amen? Those were, that's what you have to do when you go through life circumstances. And the latest example is this church. I allowed so much pressure on myself of trying to make this church go. And it's like, Jeremy, this church ain't about you. This church is about Jesus. And it robbed me of so much joy. It took, the, when we started, when we baptized those 33 people right here. I'm sitting here looking at people come down the aisle. I'm like, Jeremy, that's proof right there. This ain't about you. And this is bigger than you. And God can do this without you. And you need to rejoice in the fact that he's got you here for this time period, and you need to rejoice in the fact and have fun. Amen. 
Here I'm saying have fun and where he's got you. And that's what you need to tell yourself. A lot of us are so caught up in where we are that we're, we're not even enjoying life. When I get that way, Sabrina tells me I just suck the fun out of everything. I just look over there and I'm over there just because just I'm thinking about what I got to do tomorrow, thinking about what I'm worrying about sometimes. So the only way we're going to be what God's called us to be is put, cast every care to him. And I, I know a lot of you that struggle with this. I, I'm not trying to minimize it at all. I, I've got a friend of mine that, that I never knew struggled with anxiety. Knew him my whole life. Never knew that he, he had struggled with these things. Never knew that, that he was the guy that was just wanted his wife to tell him it was okay. One of my closest friends in some part of my life. Known him. Been to church with him. Never knew that until one day he came out and said that he struggled with that. And he was, it was a part of his testimony. And it kind of broke my heart because I wish so much that he would have told me about it when he was struggling with it so that I could walk with him through it. But so many people that struggle with anxiety and fear, they feel like they can't tell anybody because people try to minimize it or make them act like they're crazy, make them feel like they're crazy. And I wish a thousand times that he would have, he would have said something to me. But it was until we started telling our testimonies in Connect Group one day, one day, when he just broke down and began to share. He began to share what God had taught him through that and what had happened in his life. And I want to tell you, it broke me to realize that somebody that I love and care is walking through those dark days and I never knew so that I could say, hey, brother, I love you and I'm praying with you through it. That I could call him on a day and be like, hey, man, if you need something, you call me and let me know. You're not in this alone, Christian. You hear me? If you're a follower of the king, you're not in this alone. That's why we need each other. That's why connect group is so, much, so important. Because I've walked through life alone, and it's not a fun journey. But when you've got God on your side and other people that are building you up and is just helping you through life struggles, life is easier. Connect group has been a blessing to me. Has it been anybody else in here? Amen. All right, amen. That's what connect group is about. And I would have never understood or realized any of that. And we need to understand that worry's not solved in a day. It's a day-by-day -day thing. And you may be right now in a place where you've got something going in your life that you don't think nobody can understand that you're a nervous wreck, you're worried about it, let me tell you, you need to break down those walls and share that with somebody. That way you can take those steps and walk with people. They can walk with you with those struggles every single day. And it, today it might not be fixed, but a year from now, it's going to be a lot better than it was then if you're walking through life with someone and petitioning to God every single day. Don't allow these things to define who you are. Make sure that you're just focusing in on God. Let it draw you closer to him. I catch myself when I start getting freaked out about things. I'll just have to take a step back and say, God, I know you got this. I know there's nothing I can do to control this. Take this feeling away from me. And then I go on. And guess what? When I get home, I realize, you know, I ain't worried about that all day long because my God is faithful. My God is faithful. My friend, he said this. 
He said, you know, he said, uh, he said, I had four Bibles at home. I knew and I memorized what God's word said about worry and anxiety. He said, still, I needed more. And in retrospect, it was very simple. That you don't need what you already have. I had his word. But I never really had him. There was no reconciliation in my life. There was no relationship. As I think back, I think about it as being like I was in a limousine. And there was a petition up. A divider up between myself and the driver, the only driver that could take me where I wanted to go. And he couldn't get his life really together until he really surrendered his life to God. He was on medication. He was on those things, but his life was still a wreck until he really totally gave his life to Jesus Christ and cast his cares on him. Now he can live his life like a normal person. If he ever was a normal person. Turning your problem situation to God is what we're called to do and to let him fight our battles for us. But first, we've got to surrender our lives to him first. He's the only one that can give you the peace you're looking for, my friend says. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. God's word also says that he will give you the peace beyond all understanding. And when you're going through life struggles and life trials and things going on, I can't, I can't explain it. But when you cast your cares on him, you walk through trials in a different light. You walk through problems in a different light. When you're not worrying about those things, you know he's got this however he wants to make this turn out. He's got it. And you can walk through it with a peace and an assurance that you're not in control, that he is. But the only way you can do that is if he is really, really and truly your sovereign Lord. He, he really rules over your life. You know, Jesus is the only one that can calm any storm in your life. He's the only one. But the problem is, most of the time, he's not even in the boat with us. When we're going through these trials, we're trying to paddle on our own. And I got thinking about the disciples. They, they're going across they're going across this body of water and this huge storm hits them. Jesus is in the boat with them. And they're freaking out. They're paddling. The boat's taking on water. It's about to sink. And then they realize, hey, Jesus is in here. Some of you need to realize Jesus is with you if indeed you are a child of the king. And all you got to do is turn around and say, hey, God, I need you. And he's waiting on you to stop trying to do it yourself. He's waiting you to stop trying to fix yourself and you to give it to him. Because until you give it to him, nothing's going to change. All right. Somebody will give me a clap. Just telling you. Jesus is the only one, guys. They can honestly tell you everything's going to be okay. And him not tell you a lie because he knows it is. He's the only one. 
And I know preaching a message about worry is not usually a, a message where people get saved. But I'm here to tell you that if you struggle with worry and fear and, and it's consuming your life and you've never really you've never really given your life to Jesus Christ, you won't know, you don't understand what I'm talking about, about having the peace beyond all understanding. You won't understand one thing. You can be religious all you want to. He's not going to answer your prayers because he's don't, he don't hear you because there's no reconciliation between you and him. That's what my friend said. My friend said, I went to church. I had full Bibles. I had full Bibles. But nothing changed until he surrendered his life to God. And when he surrendered his life to God, guess what? The petition came down in the limo. And God said, son, we're fixing to go where you want to go. And he went to peace. He began to have peace in his life. He began to be able to handle his fears in a way different life. So if, that's your, if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I've realized that I don't really have Jesus in my life. I realize that I am not a follower of Christ. I'm just somebody that pretends to be that person to make everybody else like me or to blend in with everybody else. But I really truly want to be that man or woman of God that can turn to the King of kings and Lord of lords and surrender my my life to him, surrender my problems to him, and he hears me and he answers what I ask him. If that's you today, I just want to ask you to boldly and unashamedly raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to meet Jesus. I want to follow the King. I've said it a lot of times, but God's Word does say that if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. And that's why we ask you to raise your hand because anybody can talk you into anything, but they can talk you right back out of it. And if you truly want to follow God, you will boldly say, I want to follow Jesus. And I don't care what anybody says. And that's why we do that here at Connection. We're not after posers. We're after people that are genuinely, truly, 100% want to follow Christ. Because that's all he wants. So if that's you, if that's you, I'm going to give you one more chance. If that's you saying, Jeremy, I need to give Jesus Christ my life today. It's me. Amen. 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 Anybody else? We just want to pray with you. We want to, we want to be able to take, help you take your next step, show you what you need to do. That's awesome. Let's give her another hand. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. And this is for the you guys that are here. And you say, oh, you know what? You didn't raise your hand, so you're saying you're saved. You're saying you're following Christ. Where are you at with worry and anxiety? Because you can still be a believer and it still control your life. And you know what? Prayer is just a complaint until we surrender. So how many times you just been coming to God complaining instead of really leaving it at his feet and saying, I'm doing God. I'm giving you this and I'm not taking it back. A lot of times we come to the altar and we lay things at the feet of Jesus. But when we get through praying, we pick it right back up and carry it right back to the car with us. Make the day be the day that you drop your burdens here at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, God, I want to give you this and I don't want to take it home with me. 
I want you to give me the peace beyond all understanding. I want you to help me with this so that I can glorify you more. And I said what God wanted me to say. And it's up to you to respond. It's up to you to listen. It's up to you to obey the God that created you. Guys, time's too short for us to play games. The most important thing you can do is surrender your will to God today. So guys, if you will stand. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to stand right up here. And if any of you guys need special prayer, y'all come. When I get through praying, y'all come on. Father God, we come to you right now, Lord. God, we thank you so much, Father, for what you did here this morning, for what you're doing right now. God, I thank you for the souls that you're touching. Thank you for the lives that you're transforming. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. God, the goal every Sunday is to come in here, just uh, come in here and leave here different. Them heavy cane. God, change our hearts, Lord. Help us understand, Lord, that you are the only one that can satisfy us. You are the only one that can give us that living water so we'll never thirst again, God. Help us, Father, understand that when we cast our cares on you, that you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one that created us, God. And Lord, if you created us, God, you know what we struggle with. And you know what bothers us. God, help us, Lord. Deal with our problems today. Deal with our worries today. Deal with our anxieties today so that we leave here victorious in the name of Jesus. That we're joyful people. We're not bound by these things. We're not defined by our worries, but God, we're only defined by you. So God, pour your spirit out upon us once again, Lord. And Lord, just uh, move in our hearts. In Jesus' name.